0: My first screenwrite. It's called The Gunslinger. It's by Happy Madison Productions or something a little more light level that's it's fun for the kids. I guess not kids after you hear this pitch. But imagine Happy Gilmore, Like Mike, Waterboy, and the story of Doc Ellis and Johnny Manziel all fornicate. Starring Kevin Dillon as The Gunslinger. For those of you that don't know, that is Johnny Drama. Danny DeVito is the drug dealer, and Matt Dillon, uh, his brother, who's also, uh, I believe, 2-Bit, or uh, Daryl Ponyboy Curtis, one of those guys that says, let's do it for Johnny and the Outsiders. That's Matt Dillon. He's also in You, Me, and Dupree, and he is the head coach. And to get you back on track, trains going back on the tracks, here is the premise of the movie. So Matt Dillon is with his loser brother, Kevin Dillon, who is also known as Johnny Drama, and they're at a party. So Kevin Dillon's 23 years old, and he does acid for the first time. And, so, and we're, we're still working out the tweaks in the script. And there, there are always tweaks, you know, until you get the final revision done. So anyways, he starts playing basketball. His brother, Matt Dillon, is a basketball coach, as I alluded to. And he can't miss. On acid, Kevin Dillon is like Kevin Durant. He's a different KD. And this guy can't miss hook shots like Hakeem, 45-footers. He's sinking them. So that's where we get the like Mike. It's like the magic shoes. But then the next day, he starts shooting at a tryout at practice, and all of a sudden, Matt Dillon's like, you stink. And it's because he's not on the acid. That's where things get interesting and where you tie in Doc Ellis and Johnny Football. He's doing acid every single day. He's a great player, but obviously he starts reaping the side effects of acid. He thinks he's the messiah on the floor. He thinks he's a glass of orange juice. Crazy things happen. It turns into a great comedy movie and uh, fun for all ages over 25.
1: Yeah, I mean, acid essentially... Steve jobs was doing what LSD and he just created Apple. So, I mean, I could definitely see where you take a bunch of acid. The the hoop turns into the fucking ocean and you're just sinking everything. I mean, maybe Steph on acid certainly didn't take enough acid in that game six. Wow. That was a shot. My bad. Um, but no, it's a, it's a great idea. Great premise. I love, uh, I think you'd mentioned to me off air that you had Danny DeVito. As the drug dealer, is that, is that still accurate?
0: Yeah, he's the drug dealer, and here's where it kind of we, – we take a lot of the ideas from like Mike, and also, I mean, the first idea came from Doc Ellis, because Doc Ellis, for those of you that don't know, and we do have female listeners, that probably don't know sports as well as everyone else. Wow, that was, was a, a shot.
1: That was a shot. That was I'm sorry. Paul, this is a pro-woman sports podcast. I was actually just watching the Phoenix Mercury play game. That's how much I love it. I'm sorry. It. Doc Ellis
0: pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates did not know he was going to pitch. They scratched their other pitcher before the game started. He went out there. He was on LSD He pitched a perfect game. Excuse me, pitched a no-hitter. I think he gave up like nine walks, maybe even gave up a run. He walked so many people. But legit pitched a no-hitter on LSD, and that was kind of where I got this idea. And here's where Danny DeVito comes into it as the drug dealer. Somewhere along the way, and obviously revisions. We're we're still working on this script together, Houdini. Somewhere along the way, he realizes that Kevin Dillon needs acid to hit these shots. So he's in a big-time hole. And so in order to get some money, he hammers, let's say that Kevin Dillon's on the uh, the Houston Rockets, he hammers the team that the Rockets are playing in the playoffs or whatever, and says, I have a feeling that the gunslinger is going to be having a bad night. And the gunslinger goes out there, he can't, he can't find any acid, that was his only dealer. he goes out there and makes a fool, goes crazy at halftime. I don't know exactly where we're going with this, but the premise, I think, is pretty fantastic. I mean, it's got some kinks in it, but...
1: Right. Well, I mean, yeah, kind of like Danny DeVito in it as so say it's like game six or whatever. And he hammers the Utah Jazz to beat the Rockets. So Danny DeVito as the drug dealer, he actually takes all of the acid in Houston. He just takes it all. He's like, there's only one way to stop this guy. I got to take all the acid. So he ends up taking all the acid. And then at one point he actually ends up suiting up for the Jazz in the second half. And then he starts... Like, he puts up, like, 80 and a quarter. Danny DeVito does. And and then we can kind of workshop how it ends or how, I mean, maybe it, in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, you know, KD, the real KD, finds some acid, and then he can take it. And then it's more of, like, an acid battle off with Danny DeVito and uh, Kevin Dillon. So it's basically, like, these guys are just getting higher and higher, and they still, they're starting to shoot full-court threes, like, right when the ball inbounds, they're just doing a hook shot, draining it. I don't know. But – I, I I don't know if you like where that direction, but that's something I kind of just workshopped. I feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, maybe when he's going up head-to-head against DeVito and DeVito's on all, the acid, he need he takes some mushrooms because he can find those but not acid. And after he takes the mushrooms, he just has a full-on breakdown. He sucks at basketball and he's higher than a kite.
1: Yeah, no, I like it. I like it a lot. That could be very interesting. Uh, Kevin Dillon, Danny DeVito, acid off in the NBA. Um, I think that'll you could pitch that the PC crowd won't like it. Uh, it's going to be tough with the, you know, as the anti-drug podcast with the, you know, a lot of the moms that listen to the show who have young kids looking to play basketball. They're going to hear this. They're going to watch the the Gunslinger movie because everybody knows all you do to get into a Rated R movie. You buy a ticket to fucking Toy Story, Toy Story 4, but all the 12 year olds are running right into Gunslinger. They're sitting front row. They're asking their buddies where they can get acid because they got to make the sixth grade B team tryouts coming up and it's going to turn into I mean, there's going to be a lot of kids addicted to acid. That's all I'm saying. If you're fine with that, I am.
0: Okay, so maybe it doesn't turn into a feature length movie, but how about a TV show? I mean, it kind of reminds you a little bit of Brockmire. It's got some of the same characteristics.
1: Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, it's a little Brockmire. It's a little Black Mirror ish. Um, it's a little, you know, like Chernobyl type, maybe even a little bit of game of Thrones in there. So I could see this being an HBO spot. hundred percent.
0: What about you? Do you have a full length feature film planned out off the top of your head?
1: Do I have a full length feature film planned out on the top of my head? Um, yes. As everyone knows, you should always be ready for somebody to ask you that question and have that pitch. Cause you don't know, how many times you're gonna get that opportunity? But I do, I do have an idea. It's very, it's very similar to yours, almost identical, but I want to save it for next week, kind of tease that, and then drop my my movie idea uh, next week.
0: And it's time for some listener questions. This one comes in from Twinkie Franklin all the way down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And it pertains to the sandlot. Really good question. He says, how does Scotty Smalls go from the laughing stock of planet Earth to accepted after catching one fly ball? And it doesn't make sense, Houdini. Just about everyone but Benny the Jet Rodriguez, they're tormenting this kid. He can't do anything right. He falls over on his ass when he tries to catch a fly ball. He throws it in and spikes it into the ground. He holds his glove up. Benny hits it right into the leather. And all of a sudden, he's the coolest kid on the block. Hey, fly balls are.
1: Actually, they're harder than they look. I'm not sure if you know this or the the listeners know, but I did play uh, two years of very high-level knothole baseball in grade school. And essentially, our percentage of fly balls that were dropped was upwards of 90 to 95%. Um, I mean, literally every time a fly ball would go up, you're supposed to initially backpedal so it doesn't go over your head because it always looks short, but it isn't. We would just sprint forward. And the ball would go about, you know, 30, 40 yards over our heads. Uh, You know, a single would turn into a a triple or a home run every single time. Um, So I see where this is. It actually is difficult. I do recall playing left field, I believe. So we're bottom of the seventh. Uh, We're playing like the, I don't know, they're they're like the makeshift, like Red Hawks, like Jack, the Miami logo. We're playing these guys. um, We're. Up one, I believe. The bases are loaded. This guy cranks one to left field, which essentially is a game-winning knock because we don't catch fly balls. It's just not something we did. Um, And I'm running in there. I'm misjudging it completely. The ball ends up just kind of sticking to my glove, a little basket catch. It was fucking incredible. And I hit it, and my coach sprints out to left field, gives me a hug. My dad's screaming, that's my boy, that's my boy.
0: That's my son. Um, We're going to beat ups.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think uh, he became, you know, the the hottest guy in the town. I was, you know, paraded through school. I got on everyone's shoulders. All the hottest chicks wanted to date me after that. So I was kind of the king of the king of the neighborhood for about a week after that miraculous uh, fly ball catch. And you're right, though, batting everything. I didn't swing the bat once for a whole season. I'm not kidding. My on base percentage was like 900. Though, you think people are throwing strikes and not hold baseball, Chuck? They're not.
0: Absolutely not, but what doesn't make sense to me is the amount of confidence that Scotty Smalls gained after catching this one fly ball that he didn't even have to move for. I mean, you saw the, the scene prior, he he spiked it into the ground like he was freaking Drew Bledsoe in a two-minute drill, and then next thing you know, he's throwing in a Yasiel Puig you know, gunner to the plate. It doesn't make any sense. He did that in one day. There's no way that his stepfather was doing anything to help him overnight. He didn't have any tech talk tutorial videos. And then he turns into a respectable baseball player overnight, starts catching fly balls, and he's part of the team. And it's it's one of the most miraculous turnaround stories I've ever seen. Scotty Smalls, how he goes from laughing stock to just uber confident, after catching one fly ball. So maybe that's what sports
1: can do, Chuck. It's more than sports, you know?
0: Confidence is oozing in everyone. Sometimes it just takes one big-time play to unveil it. Next question. This is from our very own Dan Murphy, the tax man. He got involved. He says, is it okay to still be the drunkest person in public at age 26? Thoughts on that? Uh,
1: this is something I've been kind of experimenting with back and forth. Is it... Is it okay? Maybe not. Is it, is it necessary? Yes, I'd say in some circumstances. But, I mean, like, this weekend I went – me and, uh, you know, listener Ken went out to Tempe, Arizona State. And that's always interesting. But it's summertime, so there's, like, no one there. So you can kind of be the drunkest guy there because everyone else is, like, your age too. But once you start – you know, you're blatantly older than everybody and you're just shit-canned – Um. It's a tough look. I don't know what your thoughts are on it.
0: Well, here's the issue I have now that I've turned 26, is one of my least favorite things in life, and I run into it all the time. I break the seal way too early in a given night. And there is no worse feeling in life than trying to have fun, but you have to go to the bathroom. You have to take a massive piss and it just ruins your entire life.
1: I mean, you're right on that. Especially some of these bars will have one like a single bathroom, like a single toilet bathroom. I'm like, what who the who's the asshole that designed this bar? And I mean, even worse than that, I have just anxiety that, that I have a massive fear. I don't know if they've come up with a technical term yet of having to shit while I'm out. Like I don't ruin a whole weekend. Like I'll immediately just Uber home. So I'll sit on the toilet for like four hours before I even go out just to make sure we're all clear in that department. Cause that you can't shit at a bar either. I mean, that's literally, I think it might be illegal in some States.
0: I think when it comes to being the drunkest person in public at 26, 26 is an age where we all kind of hit a crossroads in life. It's no longer the every weekend sprint. It's more of a marathon. But you have those weekends where you're relapsing. You feel like it's 2015 again. I'm going to go with why not. There's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely live a little. Have some fun.
1: Yeah. If you don't do anything too stupid, you'll probably be good. I mean, you can come to Scottsdale and be drunk in public. It's not illegal. So, um, uh, yeah, 20, the late twenties, like, I think once you get like 26 and you keep going older, like it's just, it's probably the worst part of your life. Cause you're like, you can't really act like you're like 20 anymore. You're not, you're certainly not in college, but you're not like old yet. Cause by the time you're 30, I think it's just like a given. You're like, well, I'm fucking washed. And then 26 to like 29, you're just, you're fighting it. You're like, no, it's just like, like you're hitting all your buddies up. We're getting married. Like trying to like pregame with forties, and they're like, "Well, I actually my like son's baptism is tomorrow, so I, I got to be going to that. I can't go, you know, to the bar from six p.m. till three a.m." That's what you say. Lay off the shots. Just have a few
0: white calls.
1: They hydrate you and they get you fucked up. It's uh, it's always claw season. That is true. So I mean, I guess you could do that. Catch the baptism. Maybe even baptize your kid with a a lemon lime claw. Who knows.
0: 26 is an interesting time in life though because I feel like to some extent we're all actors you know and there are different scenes the the different people you're with you act different and, and you just know who you could be yourself around and who you can be a complete jackass around and you just change daily I mean I can't be the only one not a ton of viewer questions in from my end did you get any Houdini
1: um I did not get any I thought maybe there's a something wrong with the feed I updated the the IG profile just all you got to do is DM that. If you want to be anonymous on it and you're a coward, just say it. And we won't even say your name um, on the air. Murph probably wanted to be anonymous on that one, but maybe he was asking that question for a friend. Who knows? But, yeah, just shoot a question through the DMs, and we'll uh, we'll answer it on air for you. Instagram at
0: the thechatterpodcast. All right, so we'll use our pivot foot. And we'll change it over to how about bring it back and throw it out. I will start things off, and we'll do it uh, reverse of how we typically do it. Throw it out. This one has to go. The notion that you have to tip every time you buy a drink. I swear for overpriced drinks, I have probably surmounted 5 grand in tips over the last 3 years.
1: Okay, so I mean, are you closing your tab every time you get a drink and then tipping on each drink or what are you doing?
0: I mean, there's there's a lot of times where yes, I am not opening up a tab and I'm tipping 2 bucks each drink. And by the end of the night, I've gotten five Miller lights for twenty five dollars and spent an extra seven dollars in tips.
1: I mean, that's the thing you got. It's kind of, a, you know, double edged sword. You got to you got to keep the tab open so you can just tip once. But once you keep the tab open there, then you probably jump into an 80 percent chance. You just leave the card there because some of, is that I don't know how it is in uh, Kentucky, but out here, they they never give your card back. They keep it which is just fucking awful for anybody who you know is the drunkest person at age 26 at the bar you forget your card. So, it's that's the key though. You just got to keep your tab open and then tip once and then it's not that big of a deal. So, I mean,
0: I'm just talking in general when it comes to tipping. They don't do a ton for you. I mean, sometimes they they don't even take a step to grab the beer. They just pop the tab and you're always and these are overpriced drinks in the first place. I mean, you're buying a case for twenty bucks of eighteen, and then you're buying one for ten sometimes if you're in a big city like L.A. And then you feel the need to give an extra two dollars every single time you buy one. It just doesn't make sense to me.
1: No, I mean you get screwed on it. My the biggest one for me is like at a stadium when the when you get a beer for literally fifteen dollars, are you supposed to tip that person for liter? Like I, I don't. What's the
0: rule on that? I think you're supposed to tip just about every single time you, you feel you have good service, but that's the thing. Even when someone gives me shitty service, I still tip them. It's just engraved in my brain. It's the way I do it. And then I've heard horror stories of people not tipping for you know $15 drinks, and they get like tossed out of the bar as if you have to tip. So it's no longer optional. At some point in time, it's just you have to tip. Every single tab you open, you tip. But the older people don't. My dad doesn't. He says, screw it. I'm already paying overpriced.
1: Yeah, no, I'll pretty much tip like you could literally shit on my meal, I'd still tip you the fifteen to twenty percent, no matter what. So it really, yeah, it doesn't really correlate with the service or anything for me. It's just like I have to tip. Um, but yeah, you're right. I remember. Um, I guess we'll keep his name anonymous in Chicago Bar when he got good buddy. He does some really good work in the accounting field. He um, he got like five fireball shots for like. It was literally like 120 bucks and he was, he was shit canned um, and was like furious, do, didn't tip. And like he rips the shots and immediately a bouncer just grabs him, walks him out and throws him out of the bar for not tipping on fireball shots.
0: That should be illegal. A hundred percent illegal. There's nowhere in the declaration of independence where it says that you have to tip every single time you buy a drink. It's BS. It needs to be brought up at the next Senate meeting. Um, it's just, it's got to go. It's my throw it out.
1: Well, it's because the, isn't it essentially like the owners aren't paying the bartender shit. So they basically force you to overpay the bartenders. Like the owners like, all right, we'll pay you $4 because God forbid we pay you fucking 10. Um, and then we'll just make the customers actually pay. It's a great business model. I'd love to start a, like a, a company where basically all of society just, feels the need to pay them more than I'm paying them. That's a great business model. I don't hate them for it, but that's bullshit. You're right. I I this is a good throw it out. We haven't had a good one in a while. That's a good one. Tipping. Fuck it. Ubers a tipping? No. Absolutely not. That was the whole point of fucking Uber was to not have to tip and like deal with that weird thing. And now they're like basically I asked like the Uber driver um that I work he I work with and he does Uber on the side. And he's like, oh yeah, like if you don't tip that's bullshit. I'm like, well, check my rating, dude. That's why I got a 2.4.
0: My favorite thing is how when you're in an all-inclusive resort in Mexico, Dominican Republic, or whatever, you tip the guy $15. He remembers your name, your Zodiac sign, your entire family, and whenever he sees you from 500 feet away, he sprints up to you with a drink. Fantastic. That's when you should tip,
1: when you're at those all-inclusive resorts. You're right. Those guys will hook you up. You tip a guy, he
0: becomes your best friend. Right. It's like giving a dog a piece of cheese.
1: Well, my dog doesn't really fuck with cheese but that's all right how about you throw it out throw it out I got nothing Uh society is just going so well lately that I have nothing to throw out about it
0: everything's perfect we know that's false but bring something back for me
1: uh bring it back I recently saw like an old uh an old ad old cigarette ad and I wanted them to bring back just cigarette ads in general I don't even know what they can. Like a cigarette commercial with the the camel, I want that to come back. Or uh, what was the Mar like Marlboro Man? The was cowboy? That one of them? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I need the fact that they don't have cigarette commercials anymore is just so dumb. Like they're like essentially Americans are so stupid that if we advertise this, they will do it. They will buy more of it. Um, and I just want to see like McConaughey leaned up, basically the dazed and confused character ripping a a Camel Light. I mean, obviously, it would work, and I would buy, you know, packs and packs of Camelites, Lights. But I miss those those old commercials. They were sweet.
0: It just is interesting to me how these cigarette ads are the devil's work, and then you look at these alcohol commercials. And true, the actors aren't drinking at all in the commercials, but they're everywhere. Like, what is the difference? Alcohol is terrible for you. There is no
1: difference. I don't. It makes no sense. And like, it, it's all kind of. Runs with the, like, at McDonald's, they outlawed the people at McDonald's and you, you want to supersize that for a quarter? Because because literally everyone was like, oh, fuck, there's no way. I Like, I can't not supersize it if they ask. So everybody was just getting everything supersized. And, like, the diabetes epidemic was tripling just because you, they could refuse... They weren't capable of saying no to a supersize.
0: We all have the characteristics of Derek Zoolander and male models from Zoolander. You're a monkey, Derek. Dance. Okay. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. We're so obedient. It's why we tip. God, it is. But why male models? Houdini says, bring it back. And I say, bring back steroids in baseball. I want guys hitting them 550 feet. I want Bonds looking like a milk dud and jacking it into the steroid sea. The uh, Bonds Bay, give me those days. I'm tired of 45 home runs being exciting. I mean, there was a time where you'd come home from school, see Maguire hit 65 and 66, Sosa hit 62 and 63, Bonds hit 64 and 65, and then you had guys like Giambi hitting 60. I
1: mean, the best part was like guys who just sucked. Were were like on a shitty year, they they just hit 40 dingers, like. And it was hilarious how people acted like they didn't. It wasn't blatantly obvious. If you look at some of the stats of these guys, like one of the guys would have like seven home runs the year before, and then all of a sudden, Jack's sixty homers or like fifty five. Everybody knew everybody was doing roids, and everybody loved it.
0: Bud Selig just turned his head the other way and he said, "It's it's the steak and eggs these guys are eating." I, I between Bonds and Sosa and Jason Giambi and Maguire, especially Maguire. I have never seen four human beings get more massive in a five-year span. It's like they hit puberty at 26 or something.
1: You'd think. I mean, shit. God, McGuire was just so roided up. He was just always pissed off, just throwing shit, just jacking homers, backney. Canseco, too. Canseco. Did he ever, Do you see that? He was hunting for Bigfoot or some shit. That guy, yeah. we need to get him on the podcast. He's got to be a friend
0: of a friend somehow.
1: Right. I mean, he'd probably get on it. We'd have to pay him like four hundred bucks for an episode, but he'd probably do it literally. So I'm gonna I'll have um I'll have our unpaid intern Eric uh Teff, reach out to Jose's people and then uh we'll probably let's guarantee him on in the next, you know, month. You'll get uh, we'll get Jose Canseco, no doubt in my mind.
0: Jose Canseco. That's us calling our shot. And we'll catch Bigfoot. So for my first innovation station last week, I said that we need cots and airports and you have a pretty good one yourself. Yeah. I've been thinking about this
1: for a while. Um, currently working with multiple investors to kind of raise some capital for this idea. Um, and it is essentially, it is a low budget, um, way to golf. So, you know, bag of iron or you know irons these days you're looking at you know three four hundred bucks the drivers 200 bags 150 i mean you're looking at people are like carrying around you know eight hundred dollars worth of shit and you know lower class you know middle class you can't you can't be spending eight hundred dollars on you know johnny's golf team when he you know is shooting 144 on a nine-hole course it's just not right he's gonna grow out of them anyway same shit so this is a low-budget golf bag, right? Or not bag, the iron. So get this. It's called Snap-Away Golf. All you have is three clubs total, right? And you have your iron, you have your putter, and your driver. And on the irons, you can actually unscrew the head of the club. So say it's a five. You unscrew it. It actually snaps in and out. All you do is go into your little, I guess you have like a one of those man pouches around your belt. And you go in there, you pull out your 7-iron, you snap it on. So all you have is the heads of the clubs on your waist belt, right? And those three shafts. How about that? Call it, uh, yeah, call it like a Walmart-a-ways golf clubs. Sell them at Walmart for like forty nine ninety nine. So, you know, now, little Johnny, you don't have to be fucking Bill Gates to let your son play, uh, you know, Dunham.
0: You don't need a full set. I love that. Uh, what What are the cons? Because there's got to be something.
1: Um, it's pretty foolproof, except for you know, I think maybe the most expensive part of the club is actually the head of the club, not the not the shaft. So that would put a you know a pretty big wrench in the system. But it, and you know how much honestly without hauling around that you know how much scoliosis, uh, golf. Bags cause the youth, Chuck? Do you even know that stat? Th- 32%. It actually raised up in the last year. So, so essentially, this is going to solve that, too, because all you need is a little pouch. You don't need to carry around you know, 200 pounds of pure iron. So it's really changing the game, and I think that's going to be a big part of it. We're going to get you know backed up by science and medical doctors. I already have a few of them that are really on board for this. Um, but yeah, essentially the cost might be the biggest issue, but that's something we'll deal with later every
0: uh, every set you sell you're fifty dollars in the hole. So yeah, it's gonna
1: start off tough. I'm gonna be sleeping on couches sleeping at my grandma's but snap away will pick up once we just hammer the market share take over the game and soon enough you'll see somebody on the uh, on the tour using them.
0: This has been the chatter at the chatter podcast on Instagram. The content is going to be flowing until next time for Chuck Gamhoudini. Excuse me. For Houdini, I'm Chuck. Have a good one.